You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. I am excited about this morning's show. Uh, Our discussion question, go ahead and let the kid out the bag, is Georgia's voting law. Suppression or not, voting suppression or not, uh, my special guest, um, anybody that was listening this week, you know, I dubbed this as a heavyweight debate, and I got one of the best in the game on the uh, line with us today right now. He's the only one that showed up, but uh, we'll have the other guests on in a little bit. But to get this thing started, um, I have a special guest, Robert Patillo. Thank you, King, for being back with us. Um, you always grace us with your presence. Any presence? presence anytime i reach out to you and say hey man can you help us out on the show because you are uh you know something like a big deal in this atlanta area when it comes to this political thing man so if you will say hello to the truth seekers give people a little bit of your background and we'll you know hold this thing until we get your opponent on shelly winters um a name that a lot of my listeners already know as well uh, but thanks again for being with us king give me your background oh <laughs> Had a quick phone drop right when he was about to speak, so we'll make that work. Um, I'm pretty sure he'll call right back in for anybody. If it's your first-time listener, listen, if you're a first-time listener, we are all on the phones. I run this thing from a computer board here on Blog Talk Radio, so thank you all for tuning in and support. But, again, right as uh, Robert was about to ju- um, jump in, um, his phone dropped. So we'll get him back on, pretty sure, here in a second. Um just to go ahead and let the cow out of the bag for those who know Shelly Winters, who's another guest that we bring on, especially when we get into these political discussions. Um, he's actually at a press conference with um, Governor um, Kemp here in the, in the Georgia area, so he'll be on here pretty soon. And I'm, again, right now just waiting for um, Robert to come back on. He literally was about to speak and the phone dropped. So, you know, technology is great until it doesn't work, right? So we've all experienced that. 
So I'm just like, again, just holding it down, expecting Robert to get back in here. I may have to reach out to him. I don't know if something in particular happened with the phone. Again, he was literally about to, I don't know if even, some of y'all might have even heard him about to speak, and the phone dropped as he was about to start talking. So, all right, let's see here. Let me see if I can reach out to him as well. This is not getting right back on. All right, y'all just bear with us for a second. It happens time to time, technical difficulties. Um, again, hope it's just a quick phone drop. Let me see if I can reach out to him. All right, let's try this. All right, y'all. So when I reach out, y'all will hear the phone ringing, and hopefully we'll have him pick up with no problem. Hopefully he's not in a bad area or something, but we'll see. Because I definitely can get y'all the facts. I definitely researched the facts when it comes to this Georgia voting law. But I definitely wanted to get some various perspectives between Robert and Shelly, who, again, will be with us in about um, 10 minutes. Let me see if I can get Robert back on right now. All right, y'all bear with us. Y'all will hear the phone ringing. Let's see if we can get that brother on. Hey, can you hear me? Hi. Yeah, you coming through? Yeah, that was funny. You dropped right when you was about to speak, King. So, yeah, if you will, let everybody know your background, and let's try to get this thing uh, started till we get Shelly on in about 10 minutes. But go ahead, King. Thanks a lot for being with us this morning. Again, uh, if you're just now tuning in, I got special guest Robert Patillo. Uh, he'll give a little bit of his background. Thanks a lot, King. Absolutely. You know, if Shelly's scared, he can just say he's scared. It's going to be okay. Uh, but it's the attorney Robert Patillo. <laughs> Yeah, just, just so you know, there are going to be a lot of DMX references today. Uh, rest in peace, DMX. But, yeah, I'm going to work them in as often as possible. But um, I, uh, I'm Attorney Robert Patillo. I'm a host on News Until 1380 WAOK. Sunday is 1 to 4. I'm the Executive Director of the Rainbow Push Coalition, Peachtree Street Project. I'm a board member of the National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers. I'm Chief Legal um consultant for some of the large movie studios uh they're filming right now in atlanta so we see courtroom scenes and things like that a lot of that paperwork i wrote or um told the actors and explained to them how courtroom scenes actually uh actually uh interact so that's been one of the the new things we've added to the portfolio i do cable news commentary uh you'll see me on fox on um on uh, CNN, on uh, many of the conservative networks, One America News, uh, Newsmax, um, Real uh, Real America's Voices, RT America, so on and so forth, as well as I do international uh, human rights and civil rights uh, uh, law. So you'll see me pop up at the UN from time to time or give consultations or um, speaking engagements over in the Middle East or Africa uh, regarding pro-humanitarian causes. So that's a little bit of the bio. Nah, I love it. Like I told everybody, before you drop, it's something like a big deal here, man. And so, again, glad, you know, again, thank you for gracious with your presence. Um, again, yeah, like you said, if Shelly's scared, he just needs to say he's scared. But he, you know, hopefully he'll be on soon, as I told everybody. I think you, you may have dropped when I said it. He's actually attending a, a, a press conference with Governor Kemp here. In, in in Georgia, so we'll get him on soon. But so we'll go ahead and kind of you know just start kind of rocking out before we get him on. And again, I know y'all have a difference of opinion on this actual Georgia voting law. And so um, one area that I know you're kind of passionate in, and I wanted to start here. Um, and and I'm and I'm starting here because I don't want to do. I'll be honest, a whole bunch of dialogue about this portion. And the reason I and I'll you know kind of say this before I even you know ask you is just. That, that this fundamental difference is it's just people kind of are fundamentally are different about it. So 
So I don't want to necessarily do a big dialogue about the concept of whether to have a voter ID or not, but I do know you are very uh, ID, I should say, but you are very passionate about the issues with how they do voting ID. So we'll just kind of start there before we go to the first break. If you can kind of share your issues with the ID portion, because there's a lot of part moving parts of this law, but for the ID portion, if you can go ahead and kind of share your thoughts on how you see that. Go ahead, if you will, Ken. Well, you know, it, the the issue is it's not a difference of opinion. It's a difference of fact that uh, people are operating with two divergent set of facts. Uh, Republicans are claiming that there is so much rampant voter fraud in the state of Georgia that we have to put in additional ID requirements to stop people from stealing elections. Uh, my question about that always is, well, if that's the case, then that means Stacey Abrams was right when she claimed she lost that election because of fraud and because of uh, inaccuracies in the voting system. And that means all these elected officials who were elected in 2018 and 2020 need to uh, step down and rerun those elections. Because you're telling us that the election system was that broken that you need to change all the laws uh, within two, uh, two months of the last time we voted, then that means that pretty much everybody in office right now is, has, is illegitimate and has no right to govern. Uh, so on this concept of the of the voter ID portion, for example, because what the law did was require that if you don't have access to a voter ID, you have to send in a photo, or if you're trying to vote absentee, you have to send in a photocopy of your absentee ballot. Uh, so I'm trying to imagine a 90-year-old person who's homebound to buy a computer and buy a printer in order to uh, to send in their ballot. And then if you're unable to do that, then you can send in a provisional ballot where you simply write your Social Security number on the back. Um, what they're trying to do is put as many uh, stumbling blocks in place to make it more difficult to vote. Uh, because if that's the case, then why exactly do you have the law uh, there at all? Voter suppression isn't about, um, you know, Bull Connor standing outside of the voting precinct with dogs and hoses anymore. That's not the way you do it. It's not act Maddox. Uh, running around the Georgia, uh, the state of Georgia, trying to prevent people from voting. This is about skimming. It's about sliding off one out of every 100 or indeed one out of every 200 votes to change the outcome of an election. Remember, President Trump lost by one half of one half of 1%, by 12,000 votes. He then gave the mandate to Republicans, get out there and find me 12,000 votes. He said in the phone call with Raffensperger, where he said, I need you to find me the 11,800 votes. That is exactly what this law does, because if you are able to interfere with the votes of one out of every 200 voters in the state of Georgia, that comes out to 25,000 votes, which would have been enough for President Trump to win. It would have been enough for uh, Kelly Leffler to win. It would have been enough for David Perdue to win, because, uh, because the margins are that close in many of these elections. People got to remember, Georgia is a state that uh, after these 2020 census numbers come out, it's going to be about 35% African-American, 16% Latino, 6% Asian-American, 54% women, with one of the largest LGBTQ populations in the country. So the writing is on the walls for Republicans that without voter suppression, they have no ability to win. Uh, you're not going to college campuses seeing a bunch of people running around with MAGA hats because they can't uh, get the young people to vote for them. They can't get black folks to vote for them, can't get Latinos or Asians or women to vote for them. So the only thing left is voter suppression. Uh, and this isn't the, the beginning of this. This is a continuation. We had voter suppression bill back in 2005, uh, where they were charging twenty dollars for voter ID. Um, let me go to this. Mm -hmm. Let me go to this quick break, and I'll let you kind of finish that coming out of the break. And um, you know, hopefully, we'll have Shelly on here soon. 
and uh, we will open up the phone lines. Um, I was going to save that to the second hour, so just in case for all the callers out there, we may wait to the second hour to get y'all on because I definitely want to get um, Shelly and Robert going. Hopefully we'll have Robert, I mean, I'm sorry, Shelly, after the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, but all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. If you are a small business owner, do you and your accountant implement a tax strategy to pay quarterly taxes throughout the year? Or do you wait until the end of year during tax season to write off all expenses to lower your taxable income? If this is you, stop. Call Bennett Tax and Accounting today. With over 15 years of experience working with major companies, this boutique firm has opened up to show small business owners how to strategize like the major companies and position themselves for growth with not only effective tax strategies, but also specializing in new business formation, bookkeeping services, cash flow management, payroll, and business evaluation to secure bank financing. Basically, all the things you need but have kept putting off. Well, those days are over. Bennett Tax and Accounting to the rescue. Contact them at 770-545-2145 and ask for run. Again, 770-545-2145. Two one four five, and let them save you from yourself. Chuck Todd is NBC's political director and moderator of Meet the Press. Chuck, good morning. It's good to see you. Boy, there's so much to sift through on this story in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And by the way, about restrictive laws across the country. But in Georgia in particular, where the focus has been this week, you have the governor, Brian Kemp, defending the law, saying it actually expands voting, adds early voting days. Yeah. You have the president of the United States, Joe Biden, saying... This is Jim Crow in the 21st century. So where does the truth lie about this new law? Well, look, this new law, I mean, what's the motivation behind changing the law, right? Republicans are in power. They lost the state, and they think they lost it because it was too easy to vote by mail or too easy in in different ways. So they made those changes. Um, You look at this, at at the law in Georgia in isolation, and you say compare it to New York State, you, you wouldn't sit there and say this is Jim Crow. But when you look at sort of the changes Georgia made and you use the context of, oh, why are they making these changes? What's the motivation? The motivation was a lie. So I think this is why you you see the fuzziness and truth here. Um, And and at the end of the day, you can't ignore the motive behind the changes. All of these proposed changes are happening. We're still not even 100 days. Um, from uh, the official certification of this election in this country, and all of these red states are, change, are trying to change voting laws with the motive being a lie. So I think that is what has amped up the rhetoric on the left. Right. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, Georgia's voting law, suppression or not, our special guest with us right now is Robert Patillo, hoping, looking to get Shelly Winters on. Um, again, he's with the 
um, at a press conference with Governor Kemp, so hopefully we'll get him on soon enough. Um, but, Robert, uh, again, we hear a little clip from um, Chuck Todd. I think it has walked right into where you were going um, with a little history here in the Georgia area. Uh, but if you will, go ahead with that thought, and then I have um, some questions. We'll kind of just dialogue through, and, again, hopefully we'll get Shelly. If not, man, we'll, you know, hey, it's a hands-down knockout. It is what it is. But if you will, go ahead and pick back up where you're at, and I do have a question for you, too. So go ahead, Ken. Uh, absolutely. Well, a big part of why people don't understand why this is called Jim Crow 2.0 is because they don't understand, A, the history of voting in Georgia, or B, the history of Jim Crow in Georgia. Jim Crow laws were ostensibly on their face race-neutral laws, which effectively prevented African Americans from voting. So I'm saying it again, effectively race-neutral on their face. But in, well, the way they were implemented prevented African Americans from voting. So, for example, uh, you had a literacy test. And the justification was, well, we want to make sure we have an educated electorate, and if you can't pass a simple uh, written or verbal test, then why should you be able to vote? Why? Well, what decision-making would you be able to do if you weren't able to pass a simple test? That sounds race-neutral on its face, but then you close down all the schools so there's no African-Americans who can, or there's fewer African-Americans who can pass the literacy test to be able to vote. You say, well, we're going to have a poll tax. Why, why would we want people who can't afford to contribute to society um, being able to vote? There's nothing wrong with, being, uh, with putting a small fee in place to make sure that you actually value it, and this will prevent demagoguery. This will prevent the wrong people from uh, selecting our elected officials because you want to charge just a uh, nominal fee for people to be able to do so. Then get rid of all the jobs for black folks, uh, have them live in poverty, so now, effectively, you've taken that vote away from them. Those were Jim Crow laws, uh, poll taxes and uh, literacy tests. You had landowning requirements where you would say, well, you know, on the on its face, don't you want to make sure that the landowners, the people who are invested in our community, who are uh, pillars of our community, that they get a voice above other individuals? Well, then you make sure that black folks can't own any land, so you effectively have disenfranchised them. Those were the suite of, uh, of uh, Jim Crow laws that existed at the time. Similarly, with the voter ID standard, you have a race-neutral justification on its face where you say, well, you need an ID to go to the bank, you need an ID to go to on an airplane, so why should you need it to vote? But then the effect of it is we have 250,000 people in the state of Georgia who are eligible to vote but do not have access to a voter ID. And so when you take it from that perspective, then you reduce the number of early voting drop boxes so instead of having 38 drop boxes in Fulton County, now they're dropping that number all the way down to eight. So when you do that, get rid of public transportation, make it more difficult to get to polling locations. We have income inequality in this state, which is uh, heavily biased upon uh, racial factors. Then effectively, the same way that uh, uh, literacy tests affect the votes of African Americans, the same way that poll taxes affect the votes of, votes of African Americans, the new version of it, that's why they call it 2.0, it are, these, uh, uh, are these voter suppression laws. And, uh, and when you look at the history of voter suppression in Georgia, from 1872 until 2002, there was effectively no voter ID standard. You could just walk into the poll and voting. The first Georgia voter ID law was passed in 1997, but wasn't really used effectively until the 2002 election. From 1872 until 2002, Georgia did not have a single Republican governor in the, that, in that entire 130-year span. 50, 20 years uh, when that law went into place, when they, started, when they had the first voter ID law, we've had nothing but Republican governors. So the proof is kind of in the math. This is why I say it's not a question of, of opinion. 
Georgia passed its second voter ID law in 2005. That law was struck down by federal courts as a poll tax, meaning that Republicans in the state of Georgia passed a poll tax less than 15 years ago. And so when you're talking about a group that just passed a poll tax 15 years ago, and they've passed a voter ID law 20 years ago, and the effects have been no Democratic governor has been elected since the 1997 law went into effect in the 2002 election, No, and after the 2006 voter ID law went into place, after they reformed it and took out the poll tax portion, you went from Thurber Baker getting 60% of the vote, you went from Thurman getting 60% of the vote statewide, you went from Tommy Irving getting uh, 70 and 80% of the vote statewide in the 2006 election, to no Democrat winning statewide for, um, from 2006 until 2021 when Al Warnock uh, went into office. So when you look at the map, when you look at the reality of what happened, uh, then they, there's no question what the purpose of these laws are because we've seen the effects of it. We've seen the data. And when you talk about this question of election integrity, as they like to say, uh, you can't argue election integrity as an elected official without then saying that you're – you being in office has no integrity to it because you were elected by the same laws. So what we're really seeing is a state that is transforming from being part of the old South, as being the capital of the Confederacy, being part of old Dixie, uh, and now been uh, now has become the outcast city, has become the hip hop city, the uh, real housewives city, and it's spreading throughout the state. We got the population numbers. And just as most deaf said, you start keeping pace, they start switching up the tempo. And that's what they are really doing. They're changing those voting rules because they have, uh, they understand they cannot win if everybody has the protected right to vote. They have to limit the franchise in order to have any political power. Since, the, since that 2006 voting law went into place, Georgia has had a population explosion. In 2002, when, uh, when Nathan, uh, when Sonny Purdue was able to beat Roy Barnes, Roy Barnes got 800,000 votes, and Sonny uh, Purdue got uh, 2,100, or one, uh, 1. 1.2 million votes. When Stacey Abrams lost, she got 1.9 million votes, and Brian Kemp got 1.9 million votes also. So you're looking at a 1 million vote increase over the course of 16 years in Georgia, which indicates the amount that our population has exploded. And where does that population exploded come from? It's come from the Latino community, from the Asian community, from African Americans, from people moving down south from, uh, from up north. You know, everybody from New York lives in Atlanta now. So the state's gotten more diverse, more progressive, but yet and still every single statewide elected official is a Republican. That is a direct reflection on the laws that are in place at the uh, efforts of gerrymandering, the efforts of voter suppression, because the demographics, simply put, do not match uh, what we see electorally, and that is a direct result of the way the laws are shaped in the state of Georgia. Well, appreciate all of that background. Again, I'm pretty sure it's eye-opening. Again, we want to be a place of, if you will, um, facts, uh, again, want to get two different perspectives. Had been able to get Shelly on, and we'll just keep walking through this thing. I know you'll have it for an hour. I'm probably going to open up the phone line sooner um, than later just to get some more perspectives out here. Um, so what I'm going to do is just kind of continue to walk through it, even though you've laid out a pretty much a pretty, you know, pretty um, sizable case for why you see things the way you see it. Um, but in in reference to, um, like I saw one meme that said this is. And, you know, again, I definitely would like to hear what Shelly has to say about it. But the Georgia law is not a response to voter fraud, but in, in a response to voter turnout, which is kind of what you were speaking to, uh, Brad uh, Raffensperger, the uh, um, Georgia, Sec- um, Georgia State, um, I'm sorry, the State Secretary, 
basically was over the actual election when, like you said, when um, Trump made that call for the break, we mentioned that uh, pretty much held up and said, nope, this was a good good election. And, um, you know, even he's, and even he's talked about the time. Because when I kind of dialogue with people during the week, the number one concern about this thing was simply, in a sense, the timing of it. I should say it's the number one thing. That's kind of where people start. Like, why now? Why are these laws being done now? Which you've kind of, again, already laid that case out. Um, but just to hear a, a different perspective, Raffensperger said that basically, based on when the session meets to a degree, that there's about 40 days in which the budget has to be in, any laws or whatever. And so he just kind of alluded to that the timing has nothing to do with what just happened in Georgia. It's just the normal way that bills have to be put in within a time period based on when the sessions meet, uh, you know, when the sessions meet or whatever. And I remember when I when I found that information, Robert, I was like, okay, um, just to try to walk through it and be objective, that part makes sense because I absolutely was leery. I'm like, the timing alone seems to be an issue, even if they, quote, unquote, had a legitimate reason to do it, the timing alone seemed pretty fishy. But then when I see Ralph Sperger explaining when the session meets, that kind of alleviates that based on how I see it. How do you see that comment from um Sperger? I hope you're saying his name correctly. In reference to it's just the timing of when the session meets, if that makes sense. Well, if that's the case, then then why didn't they do it in 2018? You know, they all these people were in office then. So right after they got elected in 2018, why didn't they go through and change the Georgia voting laws? If they knew that this was this, so we were in 2020 under the exact same rules as we ran in 2018. So that, that's the question of timing. That the issue is that if Donald Trump had won that election, if, if uh, Purdue and Loeffler had won their election, we wouldn't have these laws being passed right now. That is a 100% fact. It is a fact that they had to find, the president told them they had to find him 12,000 votes, and they wouldn't have found him 12,000 votes. That is the timing question, is of whether or not they are actually running a free and fair election. Nah, it makes sense. I mean, especially even at the time that he was tr- trying to ask them to find the 12,000 votes, right? Kemp and Raffensperger basically pushed back and said that, that this is a battle election, right? They even, you know, Kemp said to himself, this, this is a battle election. Raffensperger still says that to this day. So it does, it's kind of like, yeah, if y'all understand it's a battle election, and that's what just happened, what is the concern? Now, of course, the concern, according to them, is that the, you know, us as the electorate, if you will, as constituents, as voters, that there's, um, you know, an uh, idea of, uh, of the idea of fraud being more prevalent. And so here's something I want to ask you in reference to um, to the fraud. I would have, again, I would love to get um, Shelly's perspective on this. Um, but when it comes to fraud, we've heard it, you know, announced boldly over the last four years, right, the idea of fraud. Now, me trying to be objective, when it comes to the fraud specifically, if I, when I make this comment, I just definitely want to hear your response to this. In my opinion, whether it was the Democrats or the liberals, if you will, you know, just using that term, pushing the idea of the, you know, the Russian voter fraud, and then now you have the other side pushing that this election was fraudulent for all these many reasons. And when I, in my opinion, when I look at the facts on both sides pushing this idea of fraud, I felt like both outcomes pretty much came out 
that they were basically going down rabbit holes that did not hold up to facts. I feel like both sides, in my opinion, missed the boat on pushing this idea of fraud that I think now as a society and as voters, a lot of people have bought into because it was pushed by both sides, but I don't think the facts held up for either side. Is that a fair comment coming from me as someone trying to be objective about what happened with both sides pushing fraud well, well, over the last four years? Oh Well, well no. Okay. One, there's, there's a very big difference between voter fraud and voter suppression. Voter fraud is imaginary. And the reason that they say people don't have confidence in our election system is because you have the president of the United States and Republican elected officials spreading this lie that somehow because they lost, there had to be fraud. Oh, no. The fact that we ha- it's not the fact that nobody supports our policies. Oh, no. It's not the fact we gave tax cuts to billionaires while people were starving. Oh, no. It's not the fact that we allowed a pandemic to kill a half million people in a year. It must have been the voting. That's the problem. That's the reason people aren't voting for us. It must be the voting system. That was the difference between the allegations of voting suppression and the allegations of voter fraud is um, just this week, Secretary of State Raffensperger released a report detailing voter fraud in the 2020 election. That report showed that there was 0.37%. So not 37%, not 3.7%. There was 0.37% voter fraud that they could detect in the state of Georgia. So not half of 1%. One-third of 1%, a almost invisible number, took place. Uh, the difference between that and voter suppression is the numbers that I told you earlier, that after the voter ID law got passed in 2005, it was struck down as a poll tax. That is voter suppression. After it went into effect no, in the – Yeah, and so after no, it went into effect in the 2002 that. election – you don't have you, you, we have numbers to back up the claims of voter suppression. There is no number to vote, back up voter fraud. No, it makes sense. We're actually up against the break. We got a caller. We're going to get to out of the break. Um, and I just want to be clear. And I, and I thank you for that ex- explanation. I was just talking about the fraud that was pushed with the in a sense the you know in, in the previous election, the two twenty sixteen. It was the idea of the Russians getting involved. And I, I just simply I was just pointing out that I felt like both sides pretty much missed on there being high levels of fraud. They had, our system hasn't had that despite both sides pushing it. So I was just kind of highlighting that the fraud has been pushed by both sides at various points over the four years, but I don't think the facts held out for either side, quote-unquote, proving well, it or that it was a high level. Um, but let me go to break. Well, well, just respond just, out of the break. Okay, go to the caller. Yeah, let me go to the break real quick. We'll be right back. Listening to the Mental Dialogue talk show, but all I ask is that you think. Shout out to our sponsors, Square Business Entertainment. Here's a little cut from Taylor Pace. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. When an old couple prays, the sky's full of sun rays. And taking helicopter rides over the Frisco Bay. And from the coast ride, kids winning first rides. When people are truly happy. Inside, like mountains cast of snow, a great ending to the show. So many things I love and all I 
Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. Again, that's Taylor Pace. Can't think about love. Find them on all music streaming platforms. Absolutely love Square Business Entertainment. They're bringing us that real R&B. We actually got Shelly Winters on the line. Again, our special guest for this morning. Shelly, right now, you got You know, you're down four rounds, just so you know. You're down four rounds. So you're going to have to make a hell of a comeback <laughs> <laughs> on this morning's uh, discussion question, Georgia's voting law suppression or not. Um, if you will, Shelly, just in case we've got some people, again, you've been on the show many a times, but just go ahead and give a quick background for anybody who have, may not have heard of you on our show yet. Again, I bring you on quite often, but go ahead, King. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me, Montoya. Uh, Robert, what's going on, my brother? I appreciate you uh, uh, being on here, too. I love you to death. Um, uh, my name is Shelly Winter. Um, I'm on 95.5 WSB, the number one news and talk station in the metro Atlanta area. We're on 9 p.m. to midnight, every Monday through Friday. No, absolutely. And, and um, I'm going to kind of post something. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, brother. You got something else to say? Go ahead. Okay, cool, around. cool. So I'm going to go ahead and post something I just posed to um, Robert. He was, he, um, Robert, I'll let you, you know, kind of answer, but I just want to get, get Shelly jumped in real quick. And so I was just offering, trying to be objective, talking about this idea of fraud that to a lot, to a degree, a lot of voters have lost confidence in the, you know, in a sense, the voting process. And I had just offered to um, Robert before you came on, Shelly, I just want to hear your thoughts to this, that in the la- over the last four years, there have been both sides, the conservatives and the liberals, pushing ideas of fraud. The pre- you know, for- in 2016, it was the idea of the Russians being involved, and of course, the idea got pushed heavily at the end of this election. And I just said, and I told Robert, in my opinion, I want to hear your thoughts on this, that in my opinion, when I looked at the, in my, the facts at both of those situations, we haven't had high levels of fraud in either case. So to, to, in my opinion, both sides have pushed it heavily, but the facts have not held out. And I asked Robert, is that a fair assessment from someone attempting to be objective Wanted to hear your perspective on that as well. Again, that's just a, well, alluding to the fraud specifically. Go ahead, brother. Right. Well, well, let's let's um, you know, a lot. Of, I know a lot of your your listeners and and people that are listening right now um, happen to be African American. So let's go back be, before 2016. In our community, the reason why turnout has been historically low or lower until 20 uh, until 2012 uh, has been definitively if you sat in any barbershop like I have since I was nine years old, we have always believed elections were fraudulent. One of the famous things that you hear in a black community all the time is we don't elect anybody, they select people. So the idea that this is a new idea that elections have fraud in them is completely, from my perspective as a black man in America, that's completely not a new notion. Um, Barack Obama won in 2008, and I heard African Americans say all the time, oh, he was selected. So um, he wasn't elected, he was selected. Um, So, you know, this idea that elections are free and fair has never really been embraced by us, um, and that has nothing to do with gumball counting or soap counting or anything like that. It's just been something that we've always seen in our own lives or always felt in our own lives. 
in 2020, it was the first time that I saw that white people felt cheated. Um, and you look at what happened at the Capitol, um, that was angry white people who had embraced the guy at an emotional level, had tied themselves to, an, to a guy at an emotional level, um, or, uh, almost, almost in a cult-like fashion to one guy who they felt was going to win. The numbers bore them out that he was going to win. Uh, the prognostications all bore him out that he was going to win, only to lose. So the natural reaction to people when that happens is, is that they got cheated. Um, we see it every day in sports. I, I've been following sports my whole life, and you watch Duke basketball. We've always felt Duke basketball got every call because they were Duke basketball. So the idea when people lose to say they got cheated is a human reaction. Um, and But you're right, Robert. Stacey Abrams still has not conceded the 2018 election. She said she was cheated. She said the system was fraudulent. She said the system um, needed to be fixed. She said people had no confidence in the system. And now there's trying to be some kind of laws being passed to have a little integrity in the system, to have the, the idea of cheating, and I'm doing air quotes right now, being stopped. And so now everyone's saying, well, there was no evidence of fraud. Well, there was no evidence of fraud in 2018 either. The courts just ruled on that last Friday, and a re reporting just came out a week later. Um, Cynthia McKinney has talked about voting machines since 2000. There's been no less than five documentaries made and that aired on HBO, Showtime, and other outlets that are not far-right outlets like, you know, Project Veritas that have talked about voting machines having problems. So this idea that cheating was all of a sudden a lie spread by Donald Trump is part of the continuing narrative that was started in 2016 around demonizing Trump, demonizing Trump supporters, and making everything negative about him. Because certainly the idea of voting machine fraud did not start with Donald Trump in 2020. Hey, Robert, right before you respond, I just want to let both of y'all know, y'all effectively, neither one of you answered my question, and that's fine. <laughs> Here's a question. I just want to hear from you, and Robert, you can respond to Shelly. Let me just say this real quick. Listen up, real quick, real quick. My question was simply, my question was simply, at least hear me, hear me out, at least, brother. Question was simply, is it fair to say that these these assumptions of fraud have not held out, regardless of which side was pushing it? Okay, I didn't hear I you. I didn't hear, I, I didn't hear. The, I didn't hear your hand. Okay, that's cool. I didn't hear. I didn't yeah, catch that answer. That, I said in the middle of that, yes, Montoya, you are right, and then I continued talking. Oh, you said Robert. That's why you threw me off. You said Robert by accident. All right, go ahead. I'm just letting you know you said Robert. That's what threw me off. Okay, go ahead, um, Robert. Go ahead and respond yeah. to him. All right, and I love the well, those ways Shelley uh, tries to wrap things together. The the this the difference is. After the 2016 election, we have 43 intelligence agencies. So that's your FBI, your CIA, your NSA, so on and so forth, put out a report saying that Russians interfered in the 2016 election. Not directly, as some people thought, by, uh, by changing voting machines, but rather by social media influence, by troll farms, by disinformation campaigns. This is why we saw changes to policies in the 20, uh, 2018 to 2020 election. And when you talk about Stacey Abrams claiming that there was voter uh, that there were issues with voting in 20, uh, 2018, what Republicans did was prove her right and then double down on it by passing more of the same laws that she was talking about 
in 2018. So it's almost a circular argument that they're making, which is, well, they said there was voter suppression, so we're going to give them some more voter suppression to cure the voter suppression that we were doing. When it comes down to it, uh, what Republicans are attempting to do is pick their voters. They want to uh, narrow down the amounts of people that can vote because when you look at what the new law will interfere with, you're talking about elderly people uh, who are going to be ho- who are homebound, who can't get to the polls and don't have access to technology to vote. They're, those are the people who are going to be disenfranchised. Um, the chronically poor people, you know, we drive around Atlanta and see people sleeping under bridges and in parks. Those people are more uh, likely than not not going to have the ID requirements despite maybe but perhaps being uh, eligible to vote. So those people become effectively disenfranchised. Rural populations that live on dirt roads out in uh, out in the rest of Georgia. And I've been all uh, all 159 counties during this last election cycle. I went to 144 counties. You still have issues of access to broadband and wireless, uh, paved roads um, throughout the state, particularly in um, poor rural African American communities where we get the last of public resources. So what they're effectively saying is that we cannot win more votes. We cannot put forward policy positions that will get more votes. We're not trying to be more popular. What we'll just do is change the rules so that we can pick the voters that we want as opposed to the voters picking us. All right, let me jump in and get to a caller here. Let me get to a caller, Shelly. I got a caller that's been on hold for a while. So let me go ahead and jump to this one caller. Area code 404, last three, four, five, seven. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Yeah, this is Nas in Atlanta. What's going on, y'all? Uh, you said Nas? Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, Nas in Atlanta. What's up? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, give us your three cents on this morning's discussion, or if you have a question, go ahead, King. You're, 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 on the, you're on the line? Are you, go yeah, ahead, get your three cents in, Yeah, bro. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had the phone ringing. Yeah, I think we got to be careful with some of the both sides stuff. Like when we present this as, well, this side says fraud and this side says fraud. And as the gentleman just kind of laid out, no, we're talking about two totally different things. Uh, the Russian investigation, I think they got 13 indictments out of that uh, from the different troll farms and groups who are actually trying to influence the election. Nobody said that they changed both tax machines or anything like that. No, they were just basically hitting that this info campaign hitting at people's ideology, uh, trying to get people to be less enthusiastic about voting, and just, you know, throwing as, mi- as many lies as possible out there uh, to try to change who would actually vote. So that's, that, that, that's, that's about pressure and, and, you know, outside pressure from, from another government, which, you know, this is a big boy game. This is kind of what happened. But, but to try to present it as if, the Dems had a case of where they're screaming fraud, and the Republicans had a case of screaming fraud. No, these are two totally different things. In 2020, what you had was a huge part of the electorate who was stuck in the echo chamber, who only listened to each other, uh, convinced themselves that they were going to win a landslide election, as opposed to people who were kind of listening to everything and seeing that, wait, wait a minute, this is going to be really close. It's going to be a huge turnout, and it's hard to say how it's going to go. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's something that we got to kind of stop doing, uh, where we do this both sides of the thing. Sometimes uh, you're trying so hard to be objective, you end up muddying the waters on what actually happened. So, no, we're not looking at both sides saying fraud. We're looking at basically one party who has an aging demographic that is really kind of boxed in, 
And as the gentleman said, because they don't want to expand as far as ideologically, they just want to lock in as many of their voters as they can and cut out as many of the other voters uh, as possible. Because let's just say it. Now, thanks Low for your – yeah, thanks for your appreciation. I'm going to get both, our, I'm get both of our guests to respond. Oh, go ahead. Somebody has something in the background that's really affecting the show, so I don't know if you can oh, control that. That's me. That's me. I'm sorry. I'm in my car. Um, yes, can I address Robert I like, and the caller? I feel caller? like you did me bad on that one, man. <laughs> but go ahead. Nah, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. We actually, yeah, go. Um, we actually got about a um, a minute for the break, so you can get started, and we'll go to the break and let you finish. Thanks for the call, um, Nah. All right, go ahead. Let um, me say this, Shelly. Let me say this. Voter fraud is not voter interference. Those are two different things. Okay. Fundamentally, and by Webster's Dictionary, two different things. Voter fraud is voter fraud. They said for four years the Russians stole the election. Let's be clear about that. The, the, the intelligence community said they interfered with the elections. Those are two fundamentally different things. And anybody that tries to make those the same thing, you're being intellectually dishonest. Second of all, to the brother that just spoke, I mean, to Robert's point about the elderly, nothing in this bill stops the elderly from voting. However, when Robert says the elderly and poor elderly black people who are stuck in their homes can't vote now, that's not true. They can still vote because they voted in 2020, uh, and, and nothing's changed from them allowing them to vote. In rural counties, they're just as, there's actually more Republican voters in rural counties, so there's no difference if you're saying rural counties are being disproportionately affected. Why would the Republicans hurt rural counties if you're only trying to keep your elderly white voters from voting because they're more in rural counties than they are in metro Atlanta? And the same, the, 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 nothing changes for the elderly homebound to be able to vote. Nothing whatsoever. If you've got an absentee ballot in your mail, you can put the absentee ballot right back in your mailbox. If an elderly person can't leave their house to vote, they still, they weren't able to vote in 2020 either, even with the new changes in the law. So that's not an issue. But and we know they can vote because they voted in 2020. You already said that because it was massive turnout of voters under uh, for for what you would call the Democrats. So when you and when you and, and when the brother talked about people who look who spoke in the echo chamber, he must have been talking about Democrats because everyone's speaking in an echo chamber. It's not just a bunch of Republicans who are speaking in an echo chamber. And the idea that. Uh, 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 Democrat voters didn't just speak to each other throughout the election campaign and talk to each other about what was going on in the election is patently absurd. So the fact of the matter is this law increases access. And anybody that's read the bill, as I have, and I know Robert has also, they know that this increases access. To tell me that an elderly black person can't vote now and they could in 2020 is not true. However, if you are going to say that, there are also elderly whites that can't vote. And if the Republican Party's base is elderly whites, then that's not – that by logic it cannot be true to say you're affecting the elderly and can't vote. As for pe- people being homeless that live under bridges having ID, well, guess what? You need ID to get into Pine Street. You need ID to get into uh, uh, the um, – homeless shelter down on, on, on uh, Mitchell Street. So you have to show ID to get in there. So the fact is to say that homeless people don't have ID because so they can't vote is absurd. And not only that, the state of Georgia has for the last six years allowed people to get free ID. And trust me, homeless people 
have ID more than anybody else because they know in order to get the services that they need to survive, they need ID. So they are the first people to get ID. And voting for them is probably last on a list because the people they vote for over the last 15 or 20 years, which is mostly black Democrats in the city of Atlanta, is the reason why they're sleeping under the bridges. So why they don't vote is because they know the people they may vote for are the same people that kept them under the, under the bridges. Right. Let me jump in here. Let me jump in here. I'm not gonna have. I'm not gonna have a response to the voter ID because, as I said in the very beginning, uh, Shelly, you wasn't on. I don't want to focus on the voter ID um, portion. I definitely wanted y'all to address it, but I don't want to to continue to be the discussion. Let's walk through the bill because here's a couple things that are concerning as we walk specifically through the Georgia bill. Um, specifically, um, I'm gonna highlight this because this ended up being a result, and I want to make sure we at least dialogue about this while I have you, you know, for the next 15 minutes. Um, Shelly, you made this comment on um, on social media, and I thought it would be kind of a good space because again, it kind of moves us out of specifically the law. Um, you said watching the Wakandans explain how Colorado was a good pick, 86.9 white state, so most workers who reach the 100 million will be white. Denver is 76.1% white, less than 10% black. So the 100 million will be reaped by the white liberals. You know, those who said, move the game. Um, and, and he says, you're freaking hustling backwards, and it ain't funny no more. And so this law ended up having the MLB move the all-star game in, to the tune of $100 million now not coming to the state. And um, as you say, you think that it actually extends voting. Um, you know, one thing that I, you know, a couple of things that I looked up. So, you know, there's um, 17 days, which is an you know, additional couple of days that has been expen- expanding for the actual in-person voting. However, the they are cutting down, and uh, Robert alluded to this earlier, like, for example, they're cutting down the actual drop boxes. And we had a 1.3 million turnout, additional turnout for this particular um, election. So what, do you, what is the concept in driving more people to get in line versus going to the drop box, which because of the pandemic is a highly effective way to actually get votes in? People kind of had to do it this year. So – it doesn't seem, in my opinion, it doesn't seem to be we're trying to open up more voting and lowering the drop boxes, which is kind of the way that a lot of people had to, partly due to the pandemic. So what would be your response? And keep it short, because I want to give Robert a chance to respond to that. That's a lot in there, but just, you know, give me a response to that. I got you. So let's go to early voting first. Early voting is 17 days in the state of Georgia. You, in this bill, it allows for all the counties to have equal early voting. So it's, it's fair across the board. So you're equally, you're, access, you're giving more access by making all the counties under the law to have early voting 17 days weekend. They added a Saturday. So now you have two full Saturdays, and you have the option of adding um, other days, weekend days, if you want to, if that county wants to. That's more access by definition, right? Uh, the second thing that you alluded to about drop boxes, the only reason people use Dropbox, clear about this, it wasn't because it was more convenient, it's because we were locked down. That's why people didn't go to the polls and use lockboxes, because we were locked down. 
I mean, I, I mean, it, 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 to see it any other way is just crazy to well, me. I, well, I we said that, Shelly, and again, I want to keep it short because I want to get Robert back in here. We only got a few minutes. So I did say it was done because of the pandemic. So it does, in my opinion, I just said it doesn't make sense to reduce the number. But I clearly said it was due to the pandemic. So that was said. Um, let me go ahead and let, let me. I know I'm cutting you off, but we only got a few minutes. So I want to make sure we get both of you. Uh, Robert, kind of jump in right here again. I do agree that we are extending the in-person days, but in my opinion, now that we've had this success with people being able to mail out, I think we will have a new wave. For example, Colorado. In Colorado, 99% of people vote by mail-in. You know, plus it's a cold-ass state, so I get why that's probably a common thing that gets happening in Colorado. They don't even have voting lines. But to me, to a degree, this drives more voting lines with this, again, a couple of days extended. So I am giving credit there, but dropping the drop boxes, yes, because of, it was done because of the pandemic. I just don't understand why you would drop it. Go ahead, Robert. Well, you know exactly why you would drop it. Uh, and this is, uh, I'm enjoying seeing Shelly, uh, it's kind of like watching a little kid in the pool when their little floaties come off and they're trying to get back to the shore. Because he's just he's trying to argue for a side of the argument that doesn't really make sense. You you, you get rid of lines because Georgia was known for having eight, ten, sixteen hour long voting lines. Uh, so you get rid of the lines by having the drop boxes and mobile voting. There's absolutely no proof that any of that led to not one piece of fraud at all. Literally, remember that's where we're arguing from. No proof at all. Uh, and so then you, you say you're going to get rid of the drop boxes, take from 38 down to 8 in Fulton County. Uh, you're going to get rid of the mobile voting units, which Fulton County already invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in, where people where they could actually come to your neighborhood, as we were saying, for people who are who have transportation challenges to be able to vote. And so then you get rid of those with the express and clear purpose of having fewer people vote. And then you get mad when we call it voter suppression, when the definition of voter suppression is making it more difficult vote. So that's, this is why I say that the argument isn't a difference of opinion. It's facts and reality versus them very clearly trying to make sure it's more difficult for individuals to vote because they know that supports them and makes it easier for them to win. You only had mobile voting because of a pandemic. You never had mobile voting before. The reason why we had mobile voting, the reason why Fulton County bought these buses was because we could not leave our homes. And the second reason is because most poll workers were elderly. And if they had to vote, they were terrified that the elderly would be exposed to COVID. So you don't have this anymore because people are vaccinated, so you don't need it. Don't tell me that you did something for a pandemic, but you didn't do it for a pandemic. You did it to increase voter participation. No, you didn't do it to increase voter participation. You did it because you had to. We had to as a collective community because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And most of our poll workers were elderly. So that's why you did the mobile voting. As for the drop boxes, of course, if you put a drop box on every corner, of course they're going to be utilized. But everyone has a drop box at the end of their uh, driveway. And if they don't have a driveway and they live in an apartment complex, everyone has a drop box with their number and name on it with a key to it. It's called a mailbox because that's where you actually got your ballot from. So if you could pick up your ballot from the mailbox, you could put it back in the mailbox to send back in. This is absurd. What's so pathetically absurd to me as a grown black man in America is that we're treating our people like they're children. Because saying that this only affects our people. When they are old white people, they are in uh, people that live in that can't get out of their homes of white people. There are rural white people. There are homeless white people, and we're talking about our people as if 
we're the only ones that can't do things like everybody else in order to cast a ballot. The only reason Fulton County had mobile units was because of COVID, period. And everybody knows that. Robert, real quick, because I want to I go one other space because I want to stay stuck on some issues. I'm trying to move through this thing. Here's something I want to ask both of you about, but I'm going to have you a few more minutes, Robert. Um, so I wanted to ask about this. This is coming from actually um, the Secretary uh, of State. What a, and, again, I just want to hear y'all opinions about it because, again, these are things that I looked at that, you know, um, were, were concerning. So – Raffensperger, who's in support of the majority of this law as the Secretary of State, the same person who pretty much said, you know, to Trump, I'm not going to find you, in a sense, 12,000 votes. This was a ballot election. That was his response. But he did say he was concerned about them ha- having the Secretary of State no longer a chair. Let me tell y'all what he said. Y'all both can respond. Again, just trying to respect your time, Robert, and get you off, you know, get you off the line. So what he said was, he says, I am an elected official. So whatever decision I make as state election board chairman, I will be held accountable to the voter. Now you have an unelected board, and that unelected board is not really accountable to anyone but the General Assembly. You'll never be able to hold someone accountable. Everyone's going to be pointing fingers at each other, so I didn't support that. So if you could address that part specifically, Robert, um, before you go, and I'll let um, Shelley respond to it as well. Absolutely, and I, I, I'll try to stick around as long as I can before I have to head out. But that, that's exactly the the point, that President Trump called out Raffensperger. Uh, he said that there will be consequences for you not finding me 12,000 votes. Then the House and the Georgia Republicans uh, acquiesced not to the voters of the state of Georgia, because remember, the voters of the state of Georgia voted for Brad Raffensperger. That's who the voters of the state of Georgia wanted to be in charge of our election. What the, the Georgia House of Representatives said is, no, Donald Trump is in charge of our elections, and if he tells us to get a new Secretary of State, we will strip this man of all uh, of every piece of power. And more importantly in that legislation is the fact that it takes power away from the county, the local board's elections, invested in the state legislature. So if you're in Fulton or DeKalb or, uh, or more than one, one of the more diverse counties, you no longer get to control the way your elections are run. Now that is run by Republicans in the, uh, in the state assembly. So this is why we talk about a complete network of Jim Crow 2.0, because each and every little piece is built to find those 12,000 votes, are built not to add more people to the voting rolls, but to reduce the number of people who have access to the ballot. And then they get mad when you call it suppression because what, well, what they don't want to admit is they have a party of antiquated ideas, they have a party that is dying, they have a party that was taken over by a demagogue, and they would rather take the democratic process away from the average American citizen and from the voters of Georgia invested in a small oligarchical group that meets behind closed doors and uh, hangs out in front of pictures of plantations in order to take away the rights of the people of the state of Georgia. Um, your response, Shelley? Uh, yeah, uh, my brother. <laughs> and he called, would you call me a kindergarten kid, Robert? Uh, <laughs> that was just all, you just emptied out the entire talking point book right there, and, and most of it untrue. I agree with you and that part of the law being aw- aw- awful. Um, 
I told the Republicans that. I had Governor Kemp on my show. I said I completely disagreed with that portion of the bill. I did not like it. I thought it was unconstitutional. And I think of all the lawsuits, that is probably going to be the part that gets tossed out. Um, However, that being said, the Secretary of State doesn't run elections in the state of Georgia. Each county does. So that has less of an impact on suppressing the vote than any part of this law, as Robert said. That part of it has nothing to do with suppressing the vote because the Secretary of State only certifies the counts from the county. The counties count the votes, not the Secretary of State. But I disagree with that portion of the bill. I vocalize that not only on my show, but I vocalize that in, 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 in you know personally uh, in the interview with the governor and so forth. So I don't agree with that portion of the bill at all. I don't think it's constitutional. I don't think um, uh, that it's going to stay. It's going to stay in there when the lawsuits go through the uh, courts. Um, so I agree with you on that. That's a bad. That's a bad thing. However, that being said, that does nothing to suppress the vote because the Secretary of State does not do anything. Uh, does not uh, count the votes. He just certifies the counts of the counties. That being said, understand this. Mary Norwood lost two elections in Fulton County or in Metro Atlanta or, or Fulton County parts of the cab by of mayor by 700 votes. It's in the same Fulton County election board. Every single election is the last uh, county to re- report results. Richard Barron has been there since the very beginning. That is a horribly run county election board. Everybody knows it. It's not a secret. It's not partisan because, it's, you know, it's just not partisan at all. So what that part of the bill says is that – Hey, let me do this, Shelly. We're at the top of the hour. Uh, Robert's going to stay on with us a few more minutes. You know, no problem, no problem. And for the caller out there, we're going to start opening up the phone line for more callers. I wanted to make sure I get the first hour with both of these brothers, um, you know, kind of dialoguing us through it and getting us to the facts. All right, if you will, um, top of the hour again, another cut by Taylor Pace. Uh, morning, one of my favorite cuts from Square Business Entertainment. We'll be right back. All I ask. question georgia's voting law suppression or not um shelly go ahead and finish your thought we have shelly winters as well as robert patillo's hanging on with us a few more minutes and so we'll just robert just let me know when you got to go i'm gonna let um shelly finish his thoughts if you can respond and i will go to a caller go ahead shelly 
Jack, real quick, I, I just I, I, I pretty much said what I had to say. I know Robert's got to go, and I was late, so out of respect for his time, let him, you know, do most of the talking because I'm free for the rest of the day. So um, I, I apologize again to both of you brothers and your listeners for being late. But but I, I said I said what I had to say. Uh, Robert can go ahead. My brother can go ahead. Well, well, thanks so much. And uh, like I said, I'm going to try to stick around as long as I can. Uh, you know, Saturday. Uh, no, thanks a lot. Yeah, we'll get yeah, we'll set by Stuart because I got some more things. No, thank you. Yeah. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, on Saturdays, your your schedule set by your wife on Saturday. So you got to kind of sneak around corners <laughs> and whatnot. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, this, this is the thanks. issue that I have, which is that the issue that I have is that if you take any one singular portion of the bill, uh, you can try to find a justification for it. But just as I said at the top of the show, that's the same way they found justifications for poll taxes. That's the same way they found justifications for literacy tests. That's the same way they found justifications for land-owning requirements. The effect of it is that it suppresses the vote. And as I said, I would love to hear Shelley's response to this. Before Georgia's first um, voter ID law in 1997, Georgia hadn't had a Republican governor for 130 years. After that law went into effect in the 2002 election, we've had nothing but Republican governor since. Uh, when Georgia passed a poll test in 2005, uh, that 2006 election when it wasn't in place, you had five statewide elected officials who were Democrats. You had Michael Thurman and Thurber Baker and Tommy Irving, so on and so forth, getting 60-plus percent of the vote. After that 2006 bill went into effect, Democrats did not win a single statewide seat for the next 14 years as a result of that. Uh, then you get to uh, the 2020, uh, 2021 bill that was just passed. We see that it's along the same lines of tightening those voter restrictions again and again and again. Every time uh, African Americans and Democrats start catching up, they just change the rules to maintain minority power. And there's no way that I think the people of Georgia will sit there and say in a, a, in a state that has 35% black folks, 16% Latinos, uh, the LGBT community, 54% women, that you don't have a single Democratic statewide official for 14 years if the rules are fair and equal and balanced. And then if they're making this argument that the law doesn't do anything, then why the hell do they need to pass the law in the first place if things were working? Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, a set of arguments which all come back to Donald Trump told them find me 12,000 votes and this is the way they uh, they created to find those 12,000 votes Shelley um, I'll, I'll respond uh, going backwards on what Robert said um, he didn't say find me 12,000 votes he, he was saying well we won't get into that that's going down a rabbit hole um, let I want to Robert wants the reason why no Democrat has won statewide elections is going back to the argument when, I think a bad argument, when black conservatives say, oh, well, you know, blacks were Republicans back in the day. Well, it's the same thing. These same Republicans were Democrats back in the day. The same people are winning the same races, uh, Robert, but they're just Republicans now under the R instead of under the D. It's the same group of people. If, if the argument is that the Democrats were poll taxing people in the 60s and 70s and got ID in the 90s, they're Republicans now. That's your argument, well, your side's argument in many cases. So that's why no Democrat has won statewide election. And also, Georgia is a, uh, a conservative state. 
the Democrats are not conservative Democrats anymore. When you have blue dog Democrats running, they do win. Michael Thurman, by no stretch of the imagination, is going to run the, is the same, uh, the same uh, statewide elected official that Dee Hawkins is going to be if she runs for Secretary of State. So that's why Democrats don't win statewide, because it's not the same conservative Democrat Party that it once was here in the state of Georgia. Um, so, but it's a good try on your part, though, Robert. I would have done the same thing if I were you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, let I'm me get. Sorry. Oh, you got it. Oh, I want to let you finish your thought before I go to the caller. Go ahead. No, 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 that's all. Right, we got a couple of callers, so I'm going to open up a second hour to callers, and you can respond to the callers as well. I got Brother Pianchi out of St. Louis on the line. Um, all right, Brother Pianchi, what you got for us, King? Let's, I got other callers, so we're going to keep them short and get to our, you know, both of our team guests and let them respond to you. Yeah, go ahead, Brother. You know, the one thing, the one thing that's disturbed me when they associate suppression that I've heard. It's suppression of the black vote. I get sick and tired of hearing that. And here's another thing. Do we not know that there are, quote, unquote, black Republicans? Uh, Shelly, I agree with you. And I was going to mention one thing with Robert. He says there's no LGBTQ. I may be off on the pronunciation. But how do we know that there was none never elected in the past? They didn't wear it on their sleeve and shirt collar like they do today. Uh Montoya, I want to get a hold of Shelby. Shelby is her name. Shelby, uh, are you available to, to come on other platforms and talk? Uh, uh, yes, sir. Sorry, um, the last part again. I, I just misunderstood you, Shelly. Oh, he, I don't he understood you. I'm sorry for jumping in. I just didn't catch you. Go ahead, Shelly. If you heard what he said, go ahead and respond. I'm sorry. Montoya, make sure I get his contact, please. Okay, I got you. Uh, I can yes, definitely I, do that for you. That's Montoya, not a problem. No problem. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much. Um, Robert, I'll let you respond first, and we got another caller as well, but I'll go ahead, go ahead and let you respond um, to this comment. Go ahead, uh, Robert. Well, you know, it's interesting because if he's tired of hearing about voter suppression, I'm tired of the vote being suppressed, uh, frankly. You know, I, I, I think we can agree. I would love to not hear about voter suppression because they're not doing it. And I'm, I'm glad that Shelley finally cleared up something that I've been arguing with black conservatives about for years, which is the great switch in parties. Because Republicans have always argued, well, Dr. King was a Republican, and, and, Democrat, and the black folks supported the Republican Party back then. Shelley just confirmed the Republican Party of today is not the same Republican Party of back then. The Republican Party today are the Dixiecrats from back then. So when they always try to make that argument, well, Democrats created the Klan, Shelley just confirmed, no, that was the Republicans who have now switched parties. So today's Republicans were the ones doing that. They, they always say, well, Democrats were the party of Jim Crow. Shelley just confirmed to us, no, that was Republicans. Uh, that was the, today's Republicans who were part of that Jim Crow part back then. So I'm just glad Shelley could clear that up for us. Robert, hold on, Robert. All right, I Shelley, I'll let you said, respond before I go to the caller. Go ahead, Shelley. Yeah, yeah, no, Robert, I clearly said that was that's always been you guys' argument, that the parties have flipped. I clearly said that. That's always been the argument from you guys when black Republicans say, and I don't agree with them when they say uh, about the, the, the Republicans and all of that stuff, but you guys say that. So that's why I said Democrats haven't been elected statewide. Uh, but I, I'm not agreeing with their Dixiecrats now, not at all. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be one if I thought they were Dixiecrats. All right, let me go to a caller. Area code eight one seven last three six nine one. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hey man, this is Mickey out of uh, Arlington, Texas. How you doing? Um, great discussion so far. I have a question for Shelley. Um, really interested in your opinion on if the changes. In, in voter laws 
in in Georgia are 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 meant or as you, if I, I don't want to misquote you, I thought you said that it increases access. Then how does that how does that hold up against the fact that they're reducing uh, drop boxes and and um, and uh, limiting, I guess, uh, the the, the mail in ballot. Uh, I don't I don't want to get into the nuances of the details to that extent. But you said something to, to the extent that it ex- extends access. Yet it clearly appears that those types of measures are reducing voter access. I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Um, and then let I, me jump I, in real quick, Shelly. Oh. Shelly, let me jump in just one second. Um, I know Mickey, and I just I want to let Shelly. I want to let you know what I heard. Because I think it'll help anybody that's trying to understand you, and you still will get to respond. But I just want to know, um, just let you know that Mickey, when I heard him, because I asked pretty much the same thing, and what I heard, Shelly, you, you know, to obviously jump in. But I just want to let you know that everybody's not hearing you one way, Shelly. I'm just that's why I'm doing this. So um, he correctly pointed out that the mail, that those things were increased due to the pandemic, and I definitely agree. That's why Georgia specifically done it. Um, and so he just, for what I understood, and I do, you know, I definitely respect this response, is that will not be necessary now that we're opening back up. So the reducing of the um, drop boxes in themselves, which is a new thing this year because of the pandemic, does not pointedly say that it's trying to suppress the vote. So that's what I let heard. Me, let me, cla- let you me, say, let me Shelley, clarify go my ahead, question. Shelley. Let me cl- Okay, go ahead. Let me clarify my question. Jump in there. Jump in there. Yeah, clarify your question, and Shelly, you respond. So if 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 his perspective is that it increases access, then regardless of the genesis of why they happen, whether it be mobile voting, drop boxes, if they increase access, why diminish them in any capacity? Regardless, yes, I – for the sake of this argument, they started because of the pandemic. However, if they increase access, why limit them in any capacity if the overall goal of the changes is to increase access? That's my question. Right, because, because well, like Robert said, the genesis of the bill was because of uh, fraudulent claims of a stolen election. So the genesis has to be important. You can't toss out the genesis of why you have drop boxes. Second of all, the, the, the drop boxes were added due to an executive order by the governor. So you could have kept the executive order going, but then you had to codify the drop boxes. So that's what they went and did and codified the drop boxes. As a lawyer, uh, Robert knows that you have to code codify these things. So they codified the drop boxes in precincts where they'll be collected every single night. You spreading them around doesn't help collections. It doesn't. Uh, it, it, you need more workers. You need more uh, people to do that. So you codify them and you have them. This is where the drop boxes are. But you're, you you got to go. You got to start with the genesis. You can't take away the genesis of why it started because that is that informs you on how you move forward. If you've started the drop boxes because you're afraid of the elderly, let's we can't forget that. Famously, in June and July, the Democrats started talking about what are we going to do about the elections. They went as far as to say that Donald Trump was going to cancel the election because of the pandemic, and we can't allow that. So everything started, everything was uh, um, was ju- amped up because of the pandemic. You can't now, with no pandemic and people being vaccinated, say, well, let's keep it all there. Why would you do that? Because you only did it for the pandemic. You didn't do it for any other reason. So you started a a narrative that the president of the United States was going to cancel the election 
you started a narrative, which we did not know at the time, but we, we all felt it was true, that the elderly were most vulnerable, and they are, so we have to protect them. They make up 90 to 95% of all poll workers, so we don't want them to get sick by having hundreds and thousands of people online breathing on them, so we put in these drop boxes. Well, we don't have that problem anymore, so the same people that went and got online to vote before the drop boxes are going to do the exact same thing they did before the drop boxes, which you only had because of a pandemic. I mean, I, I just don't understand well, how, how it's not an obvious thing. I, I, I get what you're saying, bro. I understand that. I'm saying if they, but at the end of the day, if they increase access, why remove them if the goal of the changes is to increase access? That's because the part I'm still, really trying to get into. You still, because you still have a drop box. In order to vote for a drop box, you're dropping an absentee ballot in there. Do you agree with that? Agreed. Okay. Where do you get an absentee ballot from? I heard you, bro. You said mailbox. You can use that. I get that as well. If you could go pick up your mail, your absentee ballot from your mailbox, then you could put it back in your mailbox. I mean, what we're arguing right now is not an argument about suppression. We're arguing narratives. And a narrative was created that there's voter suppression. So everything, like Robert said, Robert made a great point. He said, if you pick each part of the bill separately, you can make a justification for it not being voter suppression. Well, the opposite is also true. If you pick any part of the bill, you can make an argument that it is voter suppression. I'm simply making a factual, uh, uh, real-life uh, uh, not a narrative, but a real-life answer to your question. If I ask for an absentee ballot and it was mailed to me, then I have a drop box wherever I picked up my absentee ballot from. No one's stopping that. You even have longer access to apply for, to, to request an absentee ballot and get it in. No one has blocked that. No one has changed that. So to tell me that because you took away drop boxes, you're suppressing the vote, but the drop box isn't where you went to get an absentee ballot. Getting the ballot is the first step. You have to request and get a ballot. Once you get it, the same way you got it, you can send it back in. So you're not suppressing the vote. And so once you Shelly, create a I agree narrative, with you. I agree with you. Let me do this, y'all. Let me do this. 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 We're actually up against the break, so you got to respect the break. So let me go to the quick break. And when we come back, I'll keep you on. I definitely want to get Robert's response to y'all dialogue. But, um, Mickey, it sounds like you have, you know, another continuing question, but you have to wait after the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. Remember, all I ask is that you think. If you are a small business owner, do you and your accountant implement a tax strategy to pay quarterly taxes throughout the year? Or do you wait until the end of year during tax season to write off all expenses to lower your taxable income? If this is you, 
stop. We call Bennett Tax and Accounting today. With over 15 years of experience working with major companies, this boutique firm has opened up to show small business owners how to strategize like the major companies and position themselves for growth with not only effective tax strategies, but also specializing in new business formation, bookkeeping services, cash flow management, payroll, and business evaluation to secure bank financing. Basically, all the things you need but have kept putting off. But those days are over. Bennett Tax and Accounting to the rescue. Contact them at 770-545-2145. Ask for run. Again, 770-545-2145. And let them save you from yourself. If you're a small business and you know you're not handling your books right, definitely look up Run. Thank that brother for the support as a sponsor of the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. This morning's discussion question, Georgia's voting law, suppression or not? Got a couple of callers. We got one on the line. Um, Mickey, you had a response to Shelly um, or a question, I guess. So if you will, go ahead with that. We'll let Shelly respond. I definitely want to hear Robert's thoughts, and then we'll go to the next caller. Go ahead, Mickey. Yeah, so Shelly, I would say this. I agree with most of your rebuttals in terms of how you, you defend your position. It's been sound. I think both both sides have been uh, represented equitably, um, and I will give the fight a draw at this point, so to speak. But what I'm saying is, if I heard you correctly early on, the goal of the changes from your perspective is to increase access. I'll give you the fact about why things started or the genesis of all of that. What I'm asking is if, the, if, if one believes that the overarching goal or part of the goal of the changes is to increase access, why diminish any access points for anyone, regardless of party? Yes, your mailbox can be used as a drop box, but if we have 38, 36, or over 30 drop boxes uh, around and it gets diminished to eight, whether you call that voter suppression or not, I'm talking about access. I'm not arguing narrative. I'm, at, I'm arguing if this is about increasing access, why diminish any opportunity for one to do a mail-in ballot, to have mobile voting, uh, to drop boxes, et cetera, if it increases access points? So th- that is really my question, and I just want your opinion. No, I'm not I got it. I got it. Let me jump in real quick. Rochelle, you're going to respond, and I want to jump in because I want to add a little more because I want to get Robert's total response to this. So, um, again, I'm just, I'm just letting you know. Mickey, kind of what I heard, again, because I'm hearing something a little different than you're hearing, and I just want to make sure Robert knows both perspectives before he responds to just one perspective. So what my, what my the answer I heard, and Shelly's going to reiterate it, but I'm just, just throwing this out for, for nuance. The answer I heard was keep in mind all that would have to be done, as he mentioned, to codify um, the drop boxes, and so when you, re, you know, like you said, you respected his response to the genesis. The genesis. I, to be honest, I didn't hear it as necessarily defending his side as much as just kind of stating, here's the facts of how it happened, and we hear some narratives kind of being moved back and forth. You know, again, I'm just telling you what I heard, and ultimately, uh, so yeah. yeah, so so the concept of decreasing access when you keep in mind that now you would have to have more workers, most of the workers are elderly, not necessary to do so, considering that we won't hopefully going forward where we'll be less under pandemic rules. So I'm just letting you know that's kind of what I heard. I didn't hear that there was an idea of decreasing access when the access is there. Go ahead, Shelly, and then I want Robert's take on all of what he just heard. Quickly, really quickly, um, First of all, let me let me say this. I wanted to say this earlier, and, and this is answering your question, um, Brother Mickey. It's just 
going to take me a little about a minute longer. This bill actually, amongst the Bates, and Robert knows this to be true because he, you know, he, 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 he interacts with the base of the Republican Party. Amongst the base of the Republican Party, this bill doesn't go far enough, right? Um, um, and so there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a group of people who are conservative voters who feel that this bill is weak and does nothing, right? So now – that being said, I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm just telling you a factual feeling yes, yes. amongst the base of the, of the Republican Party, the, the activist part of the Republican Party. I won't even say the base. I'll use the term activist I'm part. The people who are the loudest voices. Right. And, right. So with the drop boxes, according to the, 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 the people that are on, are at the state capitol, the poll workers were inundated because there were so many meaning that there were so many drop boxes, there were so many places to stop, pick up ballots every day or whatever times of day they did it or whatever, and it made the count longer. So by diminishing the number of drop boxes, it's easier on the poll workers who were already overwhelmed or were overwhelmed in 2020. That was the argument that I got. So I understand your point. Why not just keep them? If you're trying to expand access, that's a valid point. But taking taking them away is not, by definition, voter suppression in in the same way that Robert's saying it's voter suppression. So it's fair to say, why not just keep them? And then I would say the the next logical step is why not just add to them? Why not just have drop boxes everywhere? Why not put them in front of liquor stores, put them in front of churches, put them everywhere? Just have a drop box on every corner because that's the next step. That's the next logical step. If you've got 38, then I would let's say that's a slippery 70. slope, though. I just want to inject. I would say that's a slippery no, slope, but go ahead. That's the point I'm making, brother. Everything is a slippery slope. Yeah, he's actually making slope. that point. Everything yeah, I do. I do agree with so, so All right, Robert, if you, you will, let me let oh, – I'm sorry. Go ahead and let you finish. I'm not sorry. I didn't know you – I thought you were finished. Go ahead, brother. Time is valuable. So go ahead, Robert, my brother. I apologize. Yeah, what do, yeah, what do you see when you hear this dialogue? How do you see everything you just heard, Robert? Go ahead, King. Thanks a lot. Oh, for I, I'm, I'm loving the – yeah, I'm, I'm loving the conversation because uh, it sounds like Shelley's going to be voting Democrat next election uh, because it don't make no damn sense. I mean, so look, during the pandemic, all these restaurants had to start doing to-go liquor orders. So you go to the restaurant, you order your cocktail, they put it into a to-go cup, and they hand it to you. Now that the pandemic is coming to an end, they pass a law saying that you can still do that because it's a good idea, and it works well, and people enjoy it. Uh, Republicans, on the other hand, say, hey, these drop boxes really do get a lot of people voting. Uh, Let's get rid of them. Uh, because, you know, we can have fewer poll workers, we can have uh, fewer lines at the elections, and that's not what we want. What we're seeing is uh, the evolution of voter suppression. Because before, what they would do is, okay, everybody's staying in line six hours, but we can expect for the, uh, the, the least of these to be the first one to get out of line because they have children and families that work nine-to-five jobs, and that way we can get our one out of every 200 people to get out of line so we can win elections. Now they can't do that anymore, so you have to change the rules again from an effective strategy. And to Shelley's point, there is no reason we can't have election drop boxes in front of the liquor store. What is wrong with having election drop box in front of the liquor store or the elementary school or everywhere where there used to be a, a post office box uh, located? There's no reason to not have them there. We can't increase the franchise. 
the only reason we don't do it is because we don't want more people voting. The, so Shelley's argument is perfect in that he is proving the point that Republicans are doing anything that they can, whether it makes sense or not, to try to limit and skim off those votes. Because remember, it's no longer Bull Connor with the fire hoses and the dogs. It's about skimming one out of every 100 or one every, out of every 200 votes off, which is enough to swing an election. All right, we're going to go to a caller. Let me say this real quick, Shelly. I'm going to go to the caller on this one. Go ahead, go ahead. ahead. We'll make it quick so I can get to the caller. I was just going to say to Robert, the reason why they passed the law was because of the increasing um, usage, not only from the pandemic, but even before the pandemic, of Uber Eats and places like that. So Uber Eats and restaurants were the ones who wanted to push liquor being served on deliveries because more people are using Uber Eats. That didn't didn't increase – uh, that was increasing before the pandemic. That was a business decision by restaurants who make more of their percentage of their profits off of liquor than they do off of food. So if you're just ordering food from a restaurant, that restaurant's not necessarily making a bunch of money because you ordered a plate of food, but they will make a bunch of money if you order a plate of food and get a vodka cranberry with it. All right, let's go to the caller. One thing I wanted to interject um... – and again, like I do understand where Mickey was going with the idea of being a slippery soap. I respect again, even where yeah, like I say where Rob was coming from, that hey, yeah, why not add that? Because uh one thing that was alluded to during this time and again we're just trying to get to the facts, but even um Governor Kemp and I think even you, Shelley, were kinda of highlighting that in a sense, you know, we didn't mention much about this, but that the Colorado laws were a lot similar. One thing I know about them again, but they're they're normal format for voting in Colorado just because I think, in my opinion, because of the weather is why I think it is. I lived out there for six years. But most of them do vote via drop boxes. So they have a drop box for one for every 9,400 voters I know in Georgia. We're doing one in 100,000. And so even with things you're saying about the increased workers, one in 100,000, when, in a sense, I saw, you know, yourself as well as Governor Kemp to a, to a certain degree clowning Colorado for, you know, the fact that the MLB went there with similar laws, they'll move a lot different, you know, and this is just, I'm using obviously one example, one in 9,400 compared to one in 100,000. 100, Let me go ahead and jump to the caller, and y'all can address that, you know, after the caller as well. Area code 678, last three, 639. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hey, what's happening? This is Tommy Bottoms. What's happening? Uh, hey, how you doing, King? What you got for us? What's happening? Um, first off, I'm definitely enjoying the conversation. Um, but um, I think uh, Shelly's point, I think the whole conversation also is built around the narratives he's talking about. I think that this idea that Republicans want to suppress the vote or Democrats are just trying to make sure the playing field is is equal because they're so morally superior. It's just ridiculous. The idea that they're both political parties looking to gain whatever advantage they can get. Let's start there. I think that's, and then second, I think this idea that um, and I think Shelley was alluding to this idea, didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. But I think the rabbit hole is we didn't never need the drop boxes. And I think the drop boxes were used or people have been accusing of this is a direct result of what people were using or were saying was part of the cheating that they what they believed that they saw have you whatever side of that that you're on with that. But I, but I think that's the, the, the basic point of it, the thing that nobody wants to talk about, the thing that they're fighting so hard. You can drop this, this thing in your, in your mailbox right wherever you got your, your, your ballot from. 
So this idea that it's suppressing, it's like it, anything that increases anybody that says it's back it up that somehow it's um it's your 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 anti whatever. If, you know, you see this anything with like somebody said we want to we want to take Pell Grant money and move it somewhere else. Now all of a sudden that's anti-black simply because you have a different opinion of how Pell Grant money, you know what I'm saying, or whatever it is, is these things, these, these things, they wrap it up in Jim Crow 2.0. There's nothing in this thing that is Jim Crow anything. I mean, a lot of it's insulting. The, the idea that, you know, you, you have these things talking about um, uh, snacks and drinks, that black people won't stand in line without snacks and drinks. You know, some of this is insulting. You know what I mean? But um, I think we got, got. I think we're dealing with narrative. I think nobody. It's, it's easy to vote. It's easy to vote. This idea that it's hard, harder for black people to vote and and nobody else is insulting. I think that's the heart of what we're talking about here. We're talking about um, educated black people who have probably some of the lowest opinions of just what the the underclass and what they're capable of. This idea that we don't have IDs and and, and, and certain things. I think some of this stuff is insulting and in, in that you you know, every this this extreme case of every black person but somehow everybody else is able to get to the polls under the exact same rules or whatever the rules happen to be. I think this idea Let me is, jump is, in because we are we week. are at the bottom of the hour, brother, but I definitely um appreciate your thoughts. I'll actually keep you on too. Let me go to a quick break. Um, I, I definitely have a, a couple of thoughts about what you're saying. I'm going to go to Robert um, um, out of the break as well, but I will keep you on to be able to give a response. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit. And what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Well, how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. MoneyMotivation.com, MoneyMotivation.com, MoneyMotivation.com. Go there for the hottest streetwear brand. Right now, in the industry, love what they're doing. They are longtime sponsors of the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Appreciate their support. This morning's discussion question, Georgia's voting law, suppression or not? we got a caller on the line. Uh, I want to say a couple of things, and Robert, definitely want to get your thoughts in reference to what the caller had to say. And, again, we still have the caller, Tommy, on the line as well. Um, couple of things as I listen to all of this and again just um, trying to in a sense moderate and listen um, what I what I think I'm hearing consistently and, and you know obviously Robert you can respond to me in the caller but what I think I'm hearing consistently is to a degree a lack of respect of the concept as, as you like to call it Robert and I and I and I'll say that this concept makes sense to me um, again when you look at the history of 
suppression from, if you will, from the Jim Crow times that nobody, in a sense, would argue. Because, like you said, on surface, even those laws looked race neutral, if you will, on the books. And so, some aspect that this, in my opinion, that does get overlooked is, as you said, taking each piece, you know, one by one. There is a concept of you just need to skim, you know, a few votes. And that's basically the law looks one way on paper, but how does it apply? You know, how how does it apply, if you will? Now, the one thing that I feel that is consistent, and I thought Shelley made this point, and I feel like Tommy's saying it as well, and when you do look at these individual points, you can do what we're doing now. You can make a case for it being suppression, and you can turn around and make a case for it not being suppression. And so making a case point by point, one or the other, you, I think most people will just hear it based on how they already feel versus really understanding it for what it is. I know I kind of said a lot there, but Robert, I'm going to let you jump back in, and then I'm going to go back to Thomas. Go ahead, um, Robert. Well, see, that, that, well, that's the issue. We're doing this a six-and-one-half, half-dozen-the-other analysis. It's not that. There's not an opinion. I can give you numbers and statistics, and I think I did, going back to 1872, on exactly how these voter ID laws and these voter suppression efforts by Republicans have worked. I've given you demographic numbers. I've given you uh, uh, Department of Justice statistics. I've given you uh, electoral results. Going back to Reconstruction, what Republicans do on the other side is just throw up these straw man arguments that run to nowhere. Ask them for a statistic. Ask them for the amount of voter fraud. Ask them for the number of people who voted um, who will be affected by getting rid of the, uh, the absentee ballot drop boxes. Ask them any statistic to prove their point. They don't have them because they don't exist. That's the difference between the two conversations. One is based on facts and history and numbers that can be verified. The other is based on Internet conspiracies that Donald Trump told them. So the, the, if you're arguing with facts and actual statistics on one side and the other side got nothing for you then it's not a six and one half half dozen the other argument is sophistry where they're simply trying to present questions of rhetoric this goes back to aristophanes in the clouds when he talks about uh, socrates teaching people um that uh, a, a cloud is not a cloud a bill is not a bill a law is not a law things are what they feel that is the way the republicans argue now tommy your um response um, and, and again, yeah, what, you know, what about the numbers? Because I don't know if you were catching the first part of the show, but um, I, do, I do agree in the sense that Robert did lay out some actual numbers to see even historically how it affected. And now he's suggesting that some of what's being not done now will have a similar effect, again, using some of those historical numbers. I don't know if you heard the first hour of the show, but interested in your response, and then we'll go to Shelley. Go ahead, um, Top. Tommy, did we lose you? Hold on, hold on. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Hello? Go ahead, King. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can hear you now. Go ahead. I didn't hear. The, I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't hear the first hour of the show, but um, but my but my over. I don't. I don't come from a point of view of Republican Democrat. Um, I don't. I don't. I look at these as two parties that are uh, are always jockeying for power. Are, are either are either one of them at any at any given time trying to um, gain an advantage within the law and legislation? Absolutely. 
I don't I don't say this is a Republican Democrat. Every that is the game of politics. So I don't come from a point of view that Republicans do this and 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 Democrats are just here because they just want that the the, the playing ground even. I think that's bullshit. And I, I'm not I'm not I'm 47 years old. I'm not, I'm too old to believe something like a fantasy like that. As these are people who are looking for power, you know what I'm saying, regardless of which party or which which letter they have behind their name. Um, as far as um, – and, and so that's why I look at it from a practical sense of, of if, if we're going to – it's black people. If we're going to have this conversation about um, uh, of, of access, well, whatever the laws – this isn't 60 years ago. This isn't 1872. This is 2021, and and most of us have most of us have to operate under a certain thing, and most of us do even at the lowest level. And I think there's there's a certain amount of 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 condescending kind of attitude towards the lower class from the from the educated class that these okay. people can't abide by the same rules. And that's that's. No, I got you. Let me let me it. go ahead and let Shelly jump in here. Now, I respect that. And what, the part I will tell you what I do agree with is if you're caught up in that fantasy of that this is not two parties vying for power in the manner that part I agree 100 percent with you. And I'm not even trying to disagree with you. I just wanted to highlight that I do come from that perspective as well. That both parties are in a sense vying for position. I'm going to move it to Shelly. Thanks for the call, um, Tommy. But uh, yeah, Shelly, if you could respond, and I'm really and I am concerned about again, historically, how the numbers played out. And so um, Robert alludes to the idea that this is just a, in a sense, a, a 2.0 version of how to skim again. Uh, I don't know that I disagree with that in reference to how the numbers might play out. What are your thoughts on that, um, Shelley? The, num- the numbers are going to be even higher. And do you know why the numbers, uh, I'm going to say the numbers are going to be even higher in a turnout on the side of the fence that Robert is advocating for. And the reason why that is, is because you're spinning a narrative that it's the new Jim Crow. And the reason why you're spinning the narrative that it's the new Jim Crow is to turn fear into turnout, into action. That's all this is about. This is about H.R. 1 at the federal level, but let's not even go that far. This is about turning out um, uh, uh, voters by fear and turning that into action. That's why you're calling it the new Jim Crow. Um, So we already know what the outcome's going to be. The outcome's going to be um, which is what the outcome has been since the loss in 2018 is the Stacey Abrams uh, governorship, and that's what this is all about. Um, you had a, a state representative who was told not to knock on a door a fourth time, who knocked on a door, got arrested, that was planned, have a press conference two weeks later with with face masks that has – Keep Knocking, who has now raised $250,000 on a GoFundMe page. Um, her lawyer, with the exception, with the, in addition to Gerald Griggs, who's a phenomenal attorney, is a white gay guy who's a state rep from Brookhaven, David Dreyer, who, who's asking for that money to, to be raised for legal fees. Legal fees, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, you never need it because you always do. D.A. Fannie Willis, who's also a black female Democrat in Fulton County, was never going to press charges. This is all such a game being played. It's a game being played. And to couch this game being played, as Tommy said, as something other than a game, that some kind of historical racism disenfranchising black people is disingenuous. This is a fundraising 
game, a political game being played using black people and minorities as pawns by insulting them, by telling them that they can't do the same things everybody else can in 2021. And let me add to that. The fact that Major League Baseball, at the behest of Joe Biden, at the behest of Stacey Abrams, moved their game from Wakanda to Asgard, and nobody says anything, is patently absurd. A hundred million dollars was lost, and that directly impacts minority business owners, minority employees in Cobb County, in Metro Atlanta, and nobody is saying a word about it because the people who pushed it to be moved of raising millions of dollars online for a campaign coming up in 2022. And that should be the focus of everybody's conversation. The, 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 the argument that Robert and I are having respectfully on this show about the voter ID bill is really a, a easy argument. Both of us have made good points. Robert, or someone would say it was a draw. I take the DMX, rest, much respect, rest in peace DMX. I take the DMX battle with Jay-Z, and I'll use DMX's answer when I say I won this motherfucker. But that being said, this argument is not about the voting bill. This argument is about Major League Baseball taking money from black people and putting it in white people's hands. And that's the only argument we should be having right now, and that should be, having, that should be had with the Democratic Party, not with the Republican Party. Um, your response, well, um, Robert? Yeah, yeah Montoya, see, I asked them for any statistics to justify their position, any numbers that can prove what they're saying to be true, uh, any electoral results, any demographic results. Anything at all other than conjecture and sophistry. So then we got 10 minutes of conjecture and sophistry. And that just proves the point that we're not arguing, we're not discussing the same thing. So we have to stop pretending that it's just one half, half dozen the other, and everybody's the same, because one side has actual facts to back them up. What we're really talking about is the fact that Republicans know they cannot win in Georgia without suppressing the vote. That if you make it easier for people to vote, it becomes more difficult for them to win. And in fact, Ralston says that. Ted Cruz says that. Donald Trump says that. If we have absentee voting at this level, there'll be no way for us to win. So instead of simply winning the marketplace of ideas, they just pick their own voters, and that's the difference. So this is why it becomes difficult to have these real-life conversations, because there's no justification for the Republican bill at all. I went to, I went to the hearing. When they say, did you read the bill? I was there when they were writing the bill. The original Republican bill was so much more draconian than this one that they're now celebrating that they weren't able to pass the bill that they initially wanted to pass. So because it's Jim Crow light and not Jim Crow turbo is what they were originally pushing for, they try to argue that it's not Jim Crow at all. I say let's just have free and fair elections. And they don't want to do that, and that's to show you exactly who's on the side of democracy, who are the real patriots, who are the people really standing up for the country. All right, we're actually up against the break. I'll give closing thoughts out of this break. Thank you all for staying on this long with us. Uh, for the callers out there, if you're first time getting on, you have to press one. We will open up the phone lines on the last segment as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Method Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478 478- 478 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478-
478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Again, if you have a product or a service you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me directly at 404-604-477 or follow us on social media on Facebook at Mental Dialogue or IG at Mental underscore Dialogue and DM me to support us. If you are an individual, please go to MentalDialogue.com and keep Intelligent Radio on the air. You can become an individual supporter if you're outside of Atlanta. If you're in Atlanta, become a member. We do have exclusive events via Zoom. We will hopefully start to open back up for our live events. Uh, we have one next Saturday um, outdoors at um, That Jerk Chicken. We'd like to support local bobs around the country, around the city. And so if you are the Atlanta area, join us next Saturday at 4 p.m. at that fire jerk chicken. Um, it's right near the actual Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Look it up and come join us for our first outdoor event, first live event since the pandemic. This morning's discussion question, Georgia's voting law suppression or not? Our special guest is Robert Patillo as well as Shelly Winters have a lively discussion kind of dialoguing back and forth. There was a cut I played at the very beginning of the show. Shelly, you wasn't on at this time, but I'll just mention this. Um, and, again, want to hear both of your thoughts to this. Um, a cut I played from um, Chuck Todd, who was mentioning, you know, to a degree that he says, if you were to compare the current, you know, Georgia bill with New York, per se, uh, you wouldn't see a lot of differences, if you will. And so when I hear, you know, that comment, and then kind of hear y'all dialoguing out with very juxtaposed um, ideas that I, I will admit just trying my best to be objective. And I think one of the callers said being objective is a problem or whatever. Um, again, that's how I always handle this. And I do agree that there's a bunch of narrative pushing that both sides are always doing. I think you always have to take that with a little level grain of salt. Um, but in the sense that there are other quote-unquote states with similar laws that, in a sense, are not getting um, this idea that they're, in a sense, suppressing. What are both of your thoughts when Chuck Todd make, made that comparison at the beginning of the show? Um, um, well, sorry, I'll start with you. Oh, go ahead, Robert. Go ahead and jump in. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm going to say this, and I have to, have to head on out. But okay. Uh, okay, the no difference is that... Yeah, the, the difference is, and as, and as we said, we have numbers and statistics. 
when the night when the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was passed, it listed 16 jurisdictions and states where it applied to Georgia being one of those that required federal preclearance because there was a high, higher level of scrutiny according to those states because of their history of poll taxes and racial discrimination and Jim Crow laws being in place. So New York wasn't under those uh, those same um, uh, those same restrictions of, by, of under the Voting Rights Act of 1965, and that's why the level of scrutiny is different. This is why many Western states uh, have different voting laws than you have in the Deep South because the South has that history, which was articulated in the Voting Rights Act, which is still the law of the land. What they got rid of was Section 4, uh, Shelby versus Holder in 2014, but the remainder of the Voting Rights Act stays in place. That's why there's a difference in the way they're perceived because of the, uh, because of the same things articulated in the Voting Rights Act in 1965, and that's why people are pushing for H.R. 1, which will undo the damage done by Shelby v. Holder by changing the federal law. What Roberts wrote in that decision was that he was kicking it over to Congress to set up new criteria that would withstand constitutional scrutiny. So that's the difference. Again, facts, statistics, statutes, judicial opinions. On the other side, they got narrative and some stuff they heard on the QAnon message board. All right, y'all. Be out. Listen to our show tomorrow. Be on one to four. W-A-O-K. Bye, y'all. Uh, thanks for being um, on, King. Love you, Robert. Love you very much, brother. Thank you uh, for being here. Um, well, first of all, the, the, the scrutiny. So to Robert's point, if Georgia is still under these, should have been under these, these uh, scrutiny of the federal justice department because of historically, then why do we have record turnouts in Georgia the last two elections? So that kind of flies in the face when he talked about facts and numbers. We've had record turnout. 2020, we had, I mean, 2016, we had record turnout in Georgia. Um, so that kind of flies in the face of the facts. But um, my wife caught me in a car, so I do have to go, Robert. She's mad at me because she's been looking for me, and I've been hiding in the car on the phone with you guys. Um, but, but thank you for having me, Robert. I mean, uh, Montoya, I got to go. I just got caught. I tried to sit in the garage in the car. but <laughs> Thanks a lot, brother. Oh, hey, this, hey to be on this radio thing, we go, th- we go through it, don't we, King? Appreciate you for the time, yeah, King. Yeah, yeah. No problem. And tell Robert I love him to death. Peace out. I definitely will pass the message along. So I got eight minutes on my own. I got plenty of callers. If y'all please press one, I definitely don't like to do these dialogues on my own. Um, I feel like we had, in my opinion, a a, a very valid back-and-forth discussion uh, with good points being made on both sides. I actually got a caller that wants to jump in. I definitely appreciate. Uh, Please, yeah, definitely hold me down for these last few minutes here. Uh, Let's see here. Let's go to area code 404. Last three five nine seven. Give us your name, and your, where you call it from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Uh, hi, my name is Leroy. Um, you say your name is Montoya. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Where you calling us from, Leroy? And thanks for getting in with us. Uh, I'm calling you from uh, Atlanta. I hate uh, Shelly and uh, Robert ran off from some real questions that's about to go down for uh, <laughs> Shelly's position. It, it's about to go down, Montoya. For Shelly's position, um, uh, Darlin Favorito, who uh, runs a voter um, review organization in, here in Georgia, is uh, has got a ruling to perform an audit. Uh, Brad Raffensperger is doing everything he can to fight it in court and stop it. So it, it would be great if he was here to uh, try and uh, hash that out. And for Robert's position, you know, um, it, it's, it's like like one of the callers said, it's really insulting that 
you know, they use these tricks and trinkets to say that black people can't vote or have an issue with getting online. But, you know, uh, the Democrats, whether he wants to admit it or not, used tactics that were outside of the legislation, legislative process in order to gain an advantage to win an election. To that point, when you have uh, uh, cases being brought forth, and this is why I really wanted Robert to answer the question, because he is an attorney, they people brought cases to court, whether you like Rudy Giuliani in them, I'll let them out. They brought cases to court. Judges, by and far, throughout the United States of America, uh, use standing to not hear the cases, to not even hear the cases. Uh, It would be great if he would have stuck around to answer, why did they do that? Why did they use standing instead of actually bringing the evidence in and then hearing it out? That way, if it is let, what let, they let me double check, is, me check you make with a, you. Unfortunately, we don't have Rob here to answer your question. But I just want to make sure I'm following you correctly. Um, the cases that you're talking about, are they in reference to fraud or something else? And I'm just trying to make sure I understand. Again, unfortunately, we don't have oh. Robert here to answer the question. But I just want to make sure I'm following you correctly. Um, what cases, because I, I, I'm, I'm vaguely aware of it, but what type of cases were they? Uh, they were concerned of voter fraud throughout yeah, whether it's Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, there were many states where there have been questions. If the mm-hmm. courts refuse to hear them, we are dealing with a larger issue than just whether or not people can vote or get ID to vote or whether or not these laws are Jim Crow or not, which, right. you know, it flies in the face of the people who actually went through where how many jelly beans are in a jar when you say black people can't get an ID. It's pathetic It's insulting I I love where you're coming from I I feel like you're going down this thing pretty objectively as well Unfortunately we don't have Robert here I will tell you this um, Just having a friend in the FBI Who that was his main question Uh, um, You know They were in a sense They're always kind of brought in In reference to their amount of fraud That There's always going to be some levels of fraud That you know Or people at least attempt to commit some type of fraud You know throughout yeah. You know, pretty much any election, so that's pretty common. Um, I think Shelly yeah, Republicans use red lines. I want to get to a. I just want to share a comment with you and definitely, definitely respond. But I'm, I'm kind of getting there. Um, but I think okay. for the most part, I don't think there was a big disagreement on that. In a sense, the actual fraud that has typically been discovered hasn't been prevalent. I think they both kind of agreed on that part. What I wanted to share with you, because I think you have a very valid question. Unfortunately, we can't get, again, we can't get um, Robert to answer it. But I just wanted to share this information with you. Uh, my friend in the FBI did allude to this year was a lot higher than what they're used to seeing. He's been in about, a, you know, a, through like the last three elections. And that was his question just from just being on his side of it, just, you know, actually investigating it, saying, hey, these cases didn't go forward. And I'll offer that his opinion was it was partly because of who would be affected, and they didn't want to get out publicly, which which kind of agrees with what you're saying that this is a bigger issue than than we may want to recognize or put that out even to us as voters. So I just wanted to kind of share that, back you up, 
kind of to what you're asking. Unfortunately, we don't have Robert here to answer it, but I did want to throw that out to you. Um, go ahead and get your last thought in, King. We are getting close to the top of the hour. Okay, cool. But you know what? I, I appreciate you being objective. And that's if everyone does that, then then they'll do what you ask in in, in your show, to think, to not just take in what you see and then go off of motion. Look at what's there, process it, and, and then formulate a decision based on that. Not what, you know, uh, where you can't get anything to drink. When the law clearly states that you can get out of line, the process changed, and that's, and that's how Republicans work. And this is not backing them up. This is just looking at what happens. They use the process to affect how they want the votes to go. What we have seen, especially in 2020, is that Democrats go outside of the process, and then you have Republicans that help them. We as human beings living in America have to look at both parties with a side eye, and I'll drop it there. Now, I agree I agree 100%. I think I got Tommy still trying to get back in who had said the same thing earlier. Let me see if he's trying to get back in. I only got a couple of minutes before we end, but thank you for your call. Beautiful three cents. Um, Tommy, were you trying to get back in or I just still have you logged in from early? Oh, I was just still here just listening. Um, but no, but uh, no, I, I definitely agree with what my man was just saying though. Um, it's just, uh, there was a, you know, a lot of unanswered questions, you know, not necessarily with Robert, but I just, you know, broader question of what happened in the election. And uh, when you're talking about the courts and and uh, their, their decision not to uh, not to listen to them on standing and not necessarily the merits of what was being brought forward, um, and and I think that goes to the heart of of what you know when these laws were passed or whatever's going on in Georgia right now was a direct response to that, and and I say that because. Uh, let's let's be clear. There's a, there's there's a, there is a heavy Trump support here in Georgia, and those there was a lot of people. I mean, it was, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I know we have to end the show, but um, I think there's a. I just think it's interesting that the same the same educated class that will push the idea that there is a um, a, a system in place of white supremacy and and all these things also don't believe that that same system would rig an election. I find that very fascinating. <laughs> nah, thank you for those thoughts. We are up at the end here. And I appreciate you. You know, you know I know I just kind of pulled you in, but thank you for your thoughts. Um, I agree with both the callers here at the end and just to simply say, challenge all of you, don't simply accept the narratives from either party. Um, try to be as objective as, as, as possible to try to figure out what, in fact, is the truth because you're going to get so extra stuff. It is part of how politics works. Push buttons to get you to act. So that happens on both sides. And I think most people know that, but sometimes we do get caught up in the rhetoric. I would challenge that we not do that. Um, I don't do a lot of political shows, but for those who know my stance, and I'll say it here at the end, um, you know, I think us as African Americans specifically becoming independents will be to our favor, uh, but I'll just kind of close with that. And, you know, on the last, to get out of here, um, complete respect, RIP, um, to the dog, and keeping it simple, keeping it quick. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that y'all think. Whenever I went through something, it brought me closer to God. And I stayed in the song.
So now I'm closer to God. But being closer is hard. The attacks get stronger. They become much harder to fight and they last longer. That's what the song is saying. Joy with the pain. Dark with the light. Sun with the rain. What do you expect? 